Hey, uh, everyone. It's kind of a grim day in the world of the NFL. I'm sure you know why by now. We're still going to do Twitter Tuesday like we normally do, um, and I think that's important, and I'll talk about why momentarily. Um, but I just wanted to give you a heads up that the tone of this show is going to be a little different than Twitter Tuesday usually is, uh, a little bit less bright and upbeat because I'm not feeling too bright or upbeat. If that's not what you're interested in listening to, I totally get it, and I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, but otherwise, welcome to the Locked on Vikings podcast. You are Locked on Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome in to the Locked on Vikings podcast. Uh, I'm your host, your pal, the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. Um, thank you so much for making Locked on Vikings your first listen of the day. Uh, Locked on Vikings can be found on Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked on Minnesota Sports app. And uh, thanks for hanging out with me this uh, not-so-fine Tuesday. So, obviously, the mood around this episode is going to be a little bit dimmer. What with DeMar Hamlin's injury um, in in Monday Night Football... So there's just some stuff that's that's going to be a, a little bit weird to talk about. Um, but you know what? I, I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job if we didn't talk about them and we didn't do it the way that that we have to. So I humbly ask that you bear with me on this conversation. Um, with that said, the the first place to start, I guess, would be to thank the sponsor of these episodes, which is prize picks. Um, it's daily fantasy pick two to five of your favorite players and whether they do better or worse than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money and you can get a 100, 100% instant deposit match up to a hundred bucks with promo code locked on at prizepicks.com. Um, I am grateful to have a platform that I, I can have these conversations on and, uh, Therefore, I am grateful to uh, sponsors like like Prize Picks for that. Uh, for those who maybe are unaware, if you didn't catch it or if you uh, hadn't heard the news yet, the Bills Bengals Monday Night game was uh, postponed. At least as of this recording, that is my knowledge of the situation. Postponed to an unknown time, if they're even going to finish it uh, in the first quarter of the game, it's suspended because of an injury suffered by Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, it put him in cardiac arrest and he had to be rushed to the hospital. And that entire experience is insane. And, uh, of course they were not going to make the players play after that. Uh, there was some talk of like five minutes, warm back up. We're going to get back out there, but the coaches, both uh, Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott, McDermott put the kibosh on that real quick. And, and I know that this is locked on Vikings, not locked on Bills or locked on Bengals. Uh, although I do think that those guys had some important things to say. And I talk about it a lot more on Locked On NFL, which I'm on on Tuesdays as well. Ross and I decided that we would um, really talk about community and sports and kind of what all this is for, you know, how these guys put themselves at risk and, and what they're putting themselves at risk for. But uh, I would also recommend Locked on Pitt uh, for the Pittsburgh Panthers. They did a ton of 
they, they just like told a lot of stories about DeMar Hamlin. He went to Pitt. Um, all, I think, really great listens. I'll talk about it briefly, but what I really wanted to do was I, I wanted to do a mailbag. <laughs> you know, I, this sucks, and it, it calls the very existence of the sport that I love and cover into question. Um, it makes you ask the very legitimate question, is it worth it to have football if stuff like this can happen? Uh, and your answer to that is fully up to you. Um, for me, I think there are things that sports do for us culturally and as a community worldwide that are sort of irreplaceable. Um, and again, I, I talked about that more on Lockdown NFL, so just go listen to that because I don't want to get too bogged down in it. There is one more thing I want to say on this before I move on to the actual mailbag, and, and that is it's okay if Monday night messed you up a little bit. I don't think it gets said often enough that if you see something traumatic like a 24-year-old almost dying on the field on a Monday night football game that you probably were just watching to see what happened in your fantasy championship, uh, if not just for like the AFC playoff picture, and then suddenly it got a, a lot more serious really fast, that kind of thing isn't a normal thing, and you're brain's not set up to experience that and this especially goes out to to us us fellas sometimes when we see that stuff we feel this innate need ah, we just got to tough it out you know you have to, to be tough you don't have to tough it out <laughs> talk to someone if you have to you talk to me if you have to all right i'm here my dms are open if your mood just isn't quite right if your relationship to football just isn't quite right for a while that's normal and do what you got to do to process, all right? I love you, and uh, do what you got to do to be well. With that said, I think that this show, for a lot of people, and what sports is for a lot of people, is an escape, a distraction. And I don't want this whole show to be marred by uh, that. And I think I would be doing you, the listener, a disservice if you couldn't have a, you know, a bad Monday night for any reason, something more trivial than this uh, or whatever, and not be able to flip on Lockdown Vikings on Tuesday morning and listen to a Q&A with your questions. So I am going to do a mailbag. I'm going to answer your questions about the Vikings and Justin Jefferson and the Packers game and the upcoming playoffs and all of that stuff. Um, we'll, we'll get into it. And um I guess I, I, it wouldn't have felt right to just act like nothing was there and do like an upbeat mailbag, but it also wouldn't feel right to make the whole show, to, to let something horrible take over the show. Um, so best well wishes to DeMar Hamlin, uh, well wishes to T. Higgins too, who I'm sure is is going through something absolutely unimaginable right now. Um, they're... All of the Buffalo Bills, all of the Bengals, all of their families. Um, I just hope everybody's okay. That's a, that's all I want. So uh, I'll, let me answer one quick question uh, just to get the t tone going a, d a different way a little bit. Um, and it is from Jay Jets Stan, who asked, what is your opinion on how Jefferson played versus the Packers. I think that's as good a place as any to start. 
Um, of course, Justin Jefferson only got one catch, so you go, all right, what happened, right? He mentioned that there was like a lot of safety, a lot of too high. I think he was trying not to use specific words, so it's a little bit fuzzy what he was saying. But watching the tape, he saw a whole bunch of high safety on his side. He was on against half looks all day long, and um, that was a big part of it. I think there was really only a couple of instances where he was in true man coverage on somebody, and the only time it was targeted was uh, the one on the sideline with with Jair Alexander doing the gritty. We kind of already talked about that one um, on on yesterday's show, if you want to hear it. But really, when it was when Jair Alexander was on the same side as Justin Jefferson, I was actually surprised to see how often they were in a half look on that side. Um, a half look guards the corner. That is a thing you do to protect the corner. And I was surprised to see how much the Packers pr- did that to protect uh, Jair Alexander. But they were calling, I believe the Vikings word for it is like a Zeus call, um, which is where you put a the the half side of quarter, quarter, half. Um, or sometimes they were just in cover too, just half looks on both sides of the field um, on Justin Jefferson's side, but there was always a half safety deep on Justin Jefferson's side. And essentially that means whoever's on Justin Jefferson will always have safety help. And you, and you tell that safety, you know, watch 18, right? And if 18 breaks vertical, you're bracketing it. So he was bracketed all day. Like honestly, week one (laughs) saw more true reps of Jair Alexander versus Justin Jefferson. And it saw like three of those (laughs) reps. We didn't really get the, the marquee matchup. We had Jeff, we had Alexander playing like a clouding underneath him. Like anybody can do that, uh, which I don't know. I feel like that is a bit of an anticlimax, <laughs> but you know, who am I to talk? Um, look, I want to get to a whole bunch of, of other questions and, and pick up the tone on this one a little bit. Okay. Uh, maybe see if we can't bring a little bit of brightness to our lives today. Um, if you're looking for such a distraction, a little game to play, let me tell you about Prize Picks. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. You can pick a few of your favorite players and whether they will do better or worse than their Prize Picks projection. You don't have to do a whole uh, fantasy lineup. You don't have to enter a pool with a bajillion people. It's just you versus the house. And can you be smarter than the house? And if you're right, you can win up to 10 times your money. First-time users get a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with promo code LOCKEDON. That's prizepicks.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Thanks again for joining me on uh, this Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. You can check out Locked On Sports today for potentially more updates and information than I have, as well as uh, news headlines, scores, and everything from around the league, as well as news, scores, headlines, and so on from around the league. Um, I'm going to move on and keep answering these Vikings questions. Uh, the next one comes from Kurt with two C's who asks, do you think there is a lack of overall physicality in general from personnel on the team? I have thought this for a while. I don't think they've been truly adequately physical since like 2018. Um, if you want a really good example of that, the 2019 playoff game against the 49ers where they were beat up physically uh, 2020 functionally ended in a game against the bears where they were beat up physically 2021. They were beat up physically uh, in the end of the season as well. And that also happened against the the Packers, the Packers, a, a lot of big runs happened with Mercedes Lewis beating up Patrick Jones, beating up Zadarius Smith, even Daniel Hunter. Sometimes um, Zadarius Smith is not 
that kind of run defender. I mean, he's a he's a block evader. He is a, um, you know, he's a pass rusher. He is not a stand you up and hold the point kind of guy. And that's why he's not really, you know, he was never the guy in a four three like Mike Zimmer's, where that was the edge rusher's true job. This is a gap shooting team, right? Uh, we'll get to Brian Asamoah a little later. But this is a run fast, you know, attack gaps, be really aggressive kind of team. And, and you don't necessarily need to be the kind of team that, um, you know, gets a lot of dance partners, right? That gets locked up with guys and just tries to push. But I do think that that a general lack of physicality is a critique that I have of many of the Vikings players. I had that critique of Chandon Sullivan getting kind of bullied out of his path a lot. Um, uh, Brian Asamoah, obviously, that's kind of his big knock. So, yes, I do think that a lack of physicality is absolutely a thing on this team. Um, and I would love more guys like Dalvin Tomlinson and Harrison Phillips in the fold. Not specifically nose tackles, but but guys with that sort of physicality, like Derrissaw, those kind of guys, especially in the trenches and on the edges. Uh, Eli says, uh, speaking of, do you think Udo can play uh, bad enough in Chicago that they try Cleveland at tackle? I I'm sure anything is possible. Uh, never underestimate. There is no floor for how bad a player can be, right? That's that's a, a, a rule of football. <laughs> Here's what I'll say, though. Um, I don't think Ole Udo was all that bad at right tackle, and it does sound like he's going to have to be a right tackle at least for one game, but they're I think they're holding out some hope that they'll get Brian O'Neill back. He's got a calf strain. Kevin O'Connell uh, called it significant after seeing MRI information, which is obviously very concerning. Um, if I had to guess, I would guess we don't see Brian O'Neill for the rest of the season, but that is a guess. Uh, don't take that to the bank. Um, it would be Ole Udo at right tackle. I do not believe it is better to take Ole Udo out of, uh, out of the lineup just so that you can have Ezra Cleveland come out of left guard and play right tackle. He hasn't played tackle since college. And uh, as a left guard, he has been better. Um, I, I don't really feel a need to mess with that. And the thing about Ole Udo is he does have that physicality. Udo, I, I, like we're all very mad at him for 2021. But I was always kind of of the opinion that the problems that Udo had were problems that come with a tackle playing guard. But you put that guy at tackle and you're going to get a different set of problems, probably, right? Otherwise, he'd be a starter in this league. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to learn that that set of problems is lesser than the set of problems he had as a guard. Um, and what he never had a problem with, even when he was the public enemy number one guard, was pushing guys down the field. And I think Ed Ingram's kind of the same way, even... When, and Ingram has improved quite a bit over the course of the season, um, sort of quietly. But those two guys can move a dude, uh, and you can run behind that. And that you can actually, that's like a strength you can take advantage of, I think, with these backups. Obviously, uh, it's not worth it over somebody like Brian O'Neill, who's very good at reach blocking and zone blocking and, and everything that the team does so often. But there's something you can lean into here that is like specific to those guys' skill sets. So I certainly wouldn't root for this. I don't want them to try Cleveland at tackle. I would much rather keep Ole Udo there than, than move Ezra Cleveland around and put, I don't know who, like Kyle Hinton at guard? Like, what are you doing? Or Ole Udo at guard where he gets all those problems back? I'm not into it. Uh, Sam Silver asks, with communication being an issue on defense and the one seed, 
being at reach at the time, do you agree with Kevin O'Connell putting starters on pitch counts and rotating in backups? Um, uh, yeah, I think so. You should be able to put in Josh Metellus for a drive and expect him not to screw up as the middle safety and give up a wide open touchdown to Robert Tanyan. You should be able to expect that. And that is an expectation Metellus did not reach in Green Bay, and that's on him. I think Kevin O'Connell has convinced me. I think he has persuaded me with his answer to this question, which is it's more important to be healthy and ready for the playoffs than it is to be seated in the playoffs. I mean, think about the the O'Neill injury, right? Um, that happened in a game that they would go on to lose by 24 and was the difference between being the second and third seed. Take the Brian O'Neill injury. Um, if you could go back before the game and say, well, we're going to keep O'Neill healthy, but you'll never be able to get the two seed. You just, you have to be the three seed. Would you, you would take that, right? Or would you throw O'Neill to the wolves to get the two seed? I don't think you would do that, right? That's, that's too important a player. Um, so I think protecting those players has a, a good amount of merit and I'm okay with it for sure. Born ready says, is Hawkinson actually good? And will he be worth the money? We eventually have to pay him. So we, he's under contract through next year. He makes like 9 million next year. And that's, that's pretty sensible. Um, yeah, he's pretty good. He can get open downfield, um, better than I think Irv Smith could certainly better than Ben Ellison or Johnny Munt could. So I think it's a, a large improvement and he has been able to run key routes that are really important in the McVeigh scheme and being able to get that out of a wide tight end is really cool. And he's had some pretty sick blocking moments. So yeah, I think, I think TJ Hawkinson is pretty good. Rough day at the office against green Bay, but uh, you know, this show, you're never going to have to, you're never going to overreact to, to one game. Um, and considering, I mean, he just set a perceptions record to the, the game before that. You got to take the, the whole thing at once. I, and, um, I think if you add up the, summation of tj hawkinson's contributions this year i am very happy for him especially at the price we got him for which if you go back and listen to me breaking down that trade when we first did it that draft compensation ain't that bad at all i am going to get to as many of these questions as i can again sorry if i don't get to yours because i had something else i wanted to talk about but that was important to me so thank you for bearing with me um, we will continue though with other questions, but first again, an another, but uh, maybe a game you can play a distraction, something that can uh, give you a little bit of fun. And so you don't have to think about the cruel and unforgiving brutality of football is grambling. And you can do that at bet online. You can go bet on a basketball game and remove yourself from football for a bit. If you have to, I think that is perfectly valid. And you can find that on bet online. You can find anything. I mean, you can bet on cricket if you wanted to. At Bet Online, uh, they've got all of the odds, news, scores, everything you need to uh, get a betting. Uh, so go to betonline.net where the game starts. Going to get to as many more questions as I can uh, with this on this Twitter Tuesday. This is a sort of melancholy Twitter Tuesday mailbag. Uh, the next one I'm going to answer comes from James K, who says, "What is your prediction on how the Vikings approach Cook and Thielen's cap situations this off season?" Um, so I think both of those contracts, the way that I'm looking at them right now, seem like fairly good candidates to rework them. Here's the deal about the salary cap. And we will talk a lot about the salary cap in like February after the season when everything's over. Like we'll have time to talk about the salary cap because I think people really, really overrate how much a cap dollar is worth. 
there is, there is some, there is valid. Like they, it's not, I'm not one of those, like the cap doesn't exist purist people, but we strongly overrate how much a cap dollar is worth because the cap is malleable and those cap dollars can be stretched. I think a lot further than we often give, give teams credit for. Um, and the way that you stretch them is by setting up contracts like the way Thielens is set up. He has got a really scary number on, on over the cap that is not like almost 20 million no guarantees on it and just prorated bonus. The Vikings could actually save money by cutting him. So he's technically cuttable, although it'd be an incredibly inefficient thing to do to cut him. And I think that would be a really bad way to handle that situation. But that does give you the leverage to approach him about a possible pay cut or restructure that gets that cap number down. I think that can happen with both Thielen and Cook. Um, I, I think there is a world where Dalvin Cook is a cap casualty just because of the way that this offense um, utilizes the running back. You don't need the kind of bell cow guy that Dalvin Cook has been for the last few years. And most offenses don't. So you might look to get a little bit more efficient there. Obviously, Alexander Madison is in a contract year as well. I would not guess that he gets an extension uh, with the Vikings. So good luck to him in free agency. And then you're left with like Kenny Wongu and you're probably drafting somebody in the fourth round or something like that. Um, and maybe that's what you want to do. Or maybe you want to try to keep Dalvin Cook's cap hit a little bit lower so you don't have to spend a fourth-round pick on it. And then it's just a matter of which resource you prefer to spend and which resource you feel like you can get away with spending less on and stuff, and that sort of becomes the game. Um, but I wouldn't... I, I don't think Thielen is going to get cut or anything like that. I'd be pretty surprised by that. Um, obviously, anything's available with a trade, and I think with Quasi, it's going to be one of those things where, like, yeah, anybody could kind of get traded at any time. We never have any idea. Uh, let's see. He's like, don't trade with a trader. Is that what he said uh, during the draft or something like that? But with Cook, I see... I'm, I'm a lot less confident that we'll see him as a uh, running back in purple in 2023, although I still would put that well above 50%. Colin Pregent says, uh, I've been dismayed by the way they rush the passer. The tackles routinely leave insanely large gaps for the QB to expose, whether it's to buy time or run for critical yardage. Uh, scheme, lack of discipline, playing four guys that haven't played lo together long enough. Yeah, that, so this is part of the problem with rushing four, right? I mean, there's just going to be, there's only four guys. There's going to be a gap. And if you want to send another guy, you're taking a guy out of coverage. Therein lies the trade-off. Defensive coordinating is hard. <laughs> but... Also, because of the way that they rush for, you're not just lining up and pointing them at the guard every time, right? It'd be way too easy to defend that. So they will loop and stunt and twist and do games and stuff like that. And that's always going to, there, there must be a gap. Somewhere there will be a hole, whether it is the rush, the, the escape lane, or whether you're creating a hole in coverage by plugging up that lane, there must be space available somewhere. And it's the offense gets paid to figure out where it is. Uh, so there's always going to be something. I think my problem with the way they rush the passer is more about how long it takes to get that stuff. If you've got a quarterback that can run around and, and, and make those plays more power to you. Um, but I think far too often they just haven't had to, and it's, they, they can get to the top of a seven step drop hitch twice and get the ball off. And we still haven't gotten there because we got the Darius Smith looping across four gaps. That's the problem that I have. It's a, it's a timing one. It's, it, it needs to be tightened and quickened. Uh, whether that means calling different pressures or just tightening up the execution of them, I, you know, what, whatever your means is to the end. Uh, but it is too slow right now. That's my main critique. 
Uh, Alex BVB says, why does Brian Azamoa not start over Hicks? What does Hicks actually do better? Uh, so we talked about physicality. That's a big one. That Brian Asamoah, if he, if he gets locked up with a guard, he is going for a ride. Jordan Hicks can actually stack and shed that thing. Brian Asamoah is not as good at that. Um, also, Asamoah is, uh, he lives incredibly YOLO. Asamoah plays football like he is going to the to Mars tomorrow and he has nothing left to live for. <laughs> like, he's insane. There's no fear at all. And I love that about him, like, as a prospect from a from a scouting perspective. But he's uh, still playing aggressively enough where he can get caught out of position. And that happened on a lot of the big runs that Green Bay had was, you know, he he got caught out of position and then he gets swallowed up by a guard. And now suddenly there's this huge lane. Um, and so he's a little less disciplined. And, and that is why. However, he is eating more and more and more into Jordan Hicks's snap counts and that was happening before the vikings clinched the division so it's not just like a, a, a rotation thing like with josh metellus taking over for harrison smith sometimes um it's he is earning more snaps over uh jordan hicks but that's not it's not like madden where you just like flip him on the depth chart and now that's the guy that plays every snap you gradually do it he'll take 20 percent, then 30 percent, then 40 percent um you know work him in and make sure that he's comfortable because that is the most important thing especially on defense is that these guys are comfortable with what they have to do uh, my uncle Gary says Cam Dantzler was playing with the scrubs. Why? What's happening? Is he done in Minnesota? Um, I, I don't know about done in Minnesota, but I do think he has lost his starting job this year. Um, this is not the first time that Cam Dantzler has lost a starting job that was supposed to be his. So I don't know, maybe, but he's got one more year in Minnesota. So unless you're saying he's not going to make the team, which that's a, a, a take for August and a spicy one, I would say. But Duke Shelley is, I think, playing better than him right now. Bar none. No qualifiers. I think Duke Shelley's just playing better than Cam Dantzler. Um, I'd never hated Dantzler too much. I thought, I mean, yeah, he plays too far off a lot of the time. And that is a, an issue in decision-making from him that that cost the Vikings some plays. And Duke Shelley does not share that issue. And I think he actually is really smart with exactly how much he can and can't do. You can find a Patreon video for that at patreon.com slash NFL, That's now f- open to the public and free to watch, uh, where I highlighted some of those that he did from the Giants game that I thought he did a really good job of exactly kind of saying, okay, this is exactly as much cushion as I need, no more, no less, and kind of managing that risk-reward system very well. And I don't think Dancer's as good as that. So yeah, Duke Shelley gets the start. Good for him. And I think he earned it. I don't think this is uh we're desperate and we have nowhere else to turn. I think he genuinely, he does not have to be starting right now, Duke Shelley, and he is. Um, cause he's played well. Jonathan says, what is the latest Minnesota can draft a wide receiver in the draft this spring? That won't make you start ripping out your hair. I'm never going to rip my hair out on draft night. Uh, I usually reserve my draft, especially not over. Did they pick the right positions? You'll find that out about me. If you've not been with me for a draft is that I'm not very much about, well, if they should take a receiver. Then they should take a corner. Then they should blah, blah, blah. Then they should blah, blah, blah. No, it's, it, I don't know who the receivers are in this draft. So you'll have to ask me when I know if they're, I mean, in this last draft, I didn't like any of the receivers in the first round. I didn't think they should have taken any of them. Obviously I was probably too low on like Olave and Wilson and stuff, but Hey, that's how it goes. Um, they, uh, receiver is a good idea. i certainly support it, uh, somewhere in the first three rounds, but they could also sign one. They could also do it a whole bunch of different ways. Um, no, no prerequisites in the draft. Let, let the board come to you. 
Sports Guy asks, using the same scale as you would ordering a steak, how cooked is Adam Thielen? Um, I don't think he's cooked. Uh, there were a couple of rough plays in the first part of the game where he he was kind of clamped down by, I think, like the slot corner, Rasul Douglas or something like that. Um, but if you watch the tape of any game and you just focus on Adam Thielen, you will see a guy who is open a lot. He just is always. And it's it, it, like, but also Justin Jefferson was open, so he got the ball. And it's like, well, you're not going to complain about that. You just kind of have to log it that he's getting. He probably deserves more targets than he's getting. Um, I don't know. Take a few away from CJ Ham, I guess. <laughs> Jeff McNamee says, what are the most and least favorable matchups for the Vikings in their likely playoff scenarios? Um, well, the most likely is the Giants. And right now that is looking very likely, unless you really believe in David Blau's ability to beat the 49ers. But uh, so that's going to be it. Um, I think I'd probably want to play Seattle the most just because of the state of their defense. And for similar reasons, I guess the Lions would be next. And then, I don't know, Packers and Giants in some order. But all these teams are going to be hard. It's the playoffs. You don't get easy teams, you know? So I I get ranking the opponents in terms of who you would like to play most or least or whatever. But eventually, the team you would really hate to play, you're going to have to play them to get to the Super Bowl. you got to play all the hard teams eventually. So let's just let the chips fall wherever they may and prepare for the team we get, right? Uh, Lastly... I just thought this was funny. A couple of questions. One from Rick Galbraith, who says, why pump the brakes this far into the season on fourth and one after the blocked punt? Despite a lot of bracket, Kirk has to force feed uh, 18 and O'Connell has to run the offense through him. And then anti-gravity also said, why did it seem like the Vikings kept looking for deep shots with such a depleted OL? It's like, hey, throw to Jefferson more. Wait, why'd they throw to Jefferson so much? (laughs) Uh, That's pretty funny. Look, I, I, I... think I agree. I probably would have preferred if the Vikings went for it on that fourth down. You got it's a division rival game. It's the first quarter. If it goes wrong, you know, you got they got terrible field position. They'd be on the two yard line and you'd have a pretty good chance uh, to make up for it if it did turn out disastrously. Um, But whatever, you know, they've they've got those things all pretty predetermined where they when they go for it, when they don't go for it. Um, And (laughs) in terms of like, should they throw more or less to Jefferson? Remember that whoever they throw to on the play is a lot more on the uh, quarterback than it is on the play caller. That's the route progression going. Those decisions are based on reading guys, reading routes, reading progressions, reading keys and safeties and stuff like that. And uh, the decision is very rarely for the quarterback and certainly not for the offensive coordinator. The decision is very rarely, hmm, would I rather put the ball in Justin Jefferson's hands or TJ Hawkinson's hands? It's no, it's, it's about should I throw the dig here or should I move on to the slant on the other side or whatever? Uh, that's usually how that stuff works. Um, if this is a bummer of a show because I'm in a weird mood because of what happened on Monday Night Football, I apologize for that. And hopefully we'll be back to uh, my normal chipper self tomorrow. Uh, and we will talk tomorrow. So I uh, love you all. Everybody be well, please. And uh, take care of yourself. Do what you got to do to uh, be happy. And as always, skull.